What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver and Gig Economy News. Presented by UberLiftDrivers.com, RideShareRodeo.com. I'm your host, SJ, and let's get it on. So, first thing uh, this week I want to just touch on a little bit here is uh, there's there's some articles out there and uh you know i was really trying to dig into this a little more because it's it's really odd um but the the biden uh joe biden has promised all along the way and is still promising right now to make gig workers employees not ics um let me let me go a little farther so that I can so I can relate this back. So um, he promises that Congress will establish a three prong ABC test uh, like that of California's. Okay, so mark that mentally for a second. Um, we have two problems here. Okay, um, California overwhelmingly voted for Biden. And I think that that's, we all knew that that's California is, um, is notoriously a blue state. And, uh, yeah, we knew that, you know, it would be 70%, whatever of the overall vote in California would be for Biden. Now to be, you know, if, if, if you're really on the, everything Biden says, um, you would be for, uh, AB5. However, as many people voted for Biden, also voted for Prop 22 to be enacted over basically allowing all app-based gig platforms to not have to follow the laws of AB5. And that's what Biden is promising to the app-based gig workers. Okay, so... <sighs> So California voted for Biden by majority, but most um, voters also voted for Prop 22 who voted for Biden. And then people who didn't vote for Biden also voted for Prop 22. But a lot of Biden voters we have, I mean, a majority voted for Prop 22, which excludes app-based companies from forcing um, workers, independent contractors to be employees. Now, He's saying that he will have Congress enact a three-prong ABC test. Um, Congress, a few months back, if you remember, I brought it up on the podcast, but I've also there's a, a bunch of articles up on UberLiftDrivers.com about this as well. Um, Congress has already been floating ideas on both sides of the aisle to not have the ABC test. And they want to have, Congress does want to enact, Joe is right on one thing. Mr. Biden is right, uh, Mr. President-elect, whatever we're calling him. Um, he is right in the fact that Congress does want to establish a system to determine if somebody can be an independent contractor. That is absolutely correct. However, um, Congress does not want the ABC test. And again, this is both sides of the aisle. I'm sure there's people on some on one side, maybe both that might be able to be talked into it, but most of them did not like the idea. And in fact, they floated out some ideas of how we would test. And if you looked at that, that what I had posted on uberliftdrivers.com or brought, brought up on Rideshare Rodeo, 
podcast, uh, it's a it's a test where, unlike the ABC test, what they're proposing now, you can uh, you can actually be an independent contractor. You know, I always refer to this, but if you go back to episode twenty six where I had Gail on, um, Gail Gordon, a nonprofit uh, opera house in uh, Los Angeles. Um, she, her and I talked about this. There, there is no way to pass the California ABC test. Okay. I mean, no way. I mean, it's so, it makes it so that base, the ABC test basically makes it so that true independent contractors, the ones we define independent contractors cannot be called independent contractors because, the ABC test will make it so that if you take the A, B, and C part of the test, you can't be an independent contractor because you will fail one, if not multiple parts of that test. Congress noticed that, and they thought, well, that's not right because uh, self-employed freelancers, uh, business owners, um, they need to be able to be independent contractors if that's what they choose. So... They were already jumping the gun on what was going on in California before Prop 22 passed, saying we need to come up with a test that actually does allow for people to be independent contractors. And they've floated ideas out there where, yeah, you can look at their ideas and you can pass that test. Because a lot of it's what you want as a person, so which is what independent contractors should mean. Now, you know, I, I really hope for the people that want AB5, and again, I I always say this, but that want AB5 and want to be employees and all that, um, you know, I, I hope that they find some kind of solution that is good for them. It might not be in the independent contractor space, though, is how I think of it. You know, it might, you know, if you want a job, if you want health care and you want, uh, and if you want health care and minimum wage, there are so many jobs that you can go get, Okay. But just like starting any business, you're rolling the dice, okay? And so if you want to be a true independent contractor, you don't know how that'll play out until you run your own business. So I do feel for the people who want AB5, but I also think there might be other options out there for them other than fighting all the people who overwhelmingly in the state of California want to be independent contractors, they don't want to be force-handed AB5. And that's the app-based the app-based platforms like uh, Lyft, Uber, um, DoorDash, Grubhub, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's now we have to say, uh, you know, what about all the true independent contractors who have been independent contractors for many, many years? Like Gail, or and that's a nonprofit, and other people who run businesses and um, uh, newspaper writers, and this and that and that. Instead of all the carve outs and everything we've always talked about, you know, it's it, it's I don't know, it's a very sticky thing. But this Biden promise is based on California AB five, which for gig that he's saying for gig workers now doesn't exist. Okay, it's. AB5 still exists in California. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I've been very curious myself. But all the gig-based companies are excluded now. So 
Okay, so all you're left with are the people that absolutely got hammered by this law who had nothing to do with these gig platforms. So, you know, I, I say, Joe Biden, what, you know, what are you going to do about all of those people, nonprofits, you know, people who, who write for papers and uh, freelancers and artists and this and that, and the people who, you know, haven't had one of the three rounds of carve-outs. They haven't been in them. Hopefully the Biden campaign will figure out something and, you know, they'll, they'll let, uh, you know, they'll let, <laughs> they'll let Joe know that, you know, it shouldn't be these, cause I, I really kept looking for an article that was saying that he wasn't saying it exactly like this, but it is, he's saying it's based on California AB five and he wants Congress to pass the ABC test. Okay. It shouldn't be based on AB five because AB five for the gig app based companies anyway, because AB5 failed with them. It passed, and that many people, and I know there's a lot of people saying that $200 million was thrown at the campaign to make sure that Prop 22 passed. But nonetheless, um, I know people in California who work gig app-based platforms. I also know people in California who like Gale but are not nonprofit. They're profit companies. You know, they Maybe they run an independent uh, computer consulting company. They voted yes on 22. And I even had a friend tell me, I feel horrible voting yes on, and he was voting for Biden in California. He lives in, he lives in Nevada. Um, a very good friend of mine, um, computer consultant. He said he feels horrible because he's voting for Biden, obviously, is what he said. And he said, but, um, but I'm also voting yes on 22 because, uh, you know, as much as I hate voting for or alongside these corporations like Uber and DoorDash and all this, he said, you know, I, I just I can't have AB5 affect my my work. So he doesn't even work in gig based. He doesn't work in rideshare or delivery or grocery space or anything like that. He does computers and he still voted yes. So it's not just that the platform's two hundred million that they did to campaign this pushed it over the edge. It's more than that. A lot of people in California truly don't want AB five. But anyway, the Biden campaign's gonna have to get on board with that because when Congress saw what was going on in California and that Prop 22 was coming up, they've already been floating ideas about how to have a new test, not AB5. You know, and so I guess we're going to have to, you know, see how that plays out because I'm not sure how Mr. Biden is going to live up to his promises to the unions that he's made. Um, you know, I guess that's part of being a president is that you have a lot of promises you make and then you end up finding out that a lot of them you can't live up to. Um, this one seems to be, it's going to be an issue for them because unions can be an, a big issue. Moving on. Um, let's see. Uber Reserve. Okay, so uh, did everybody see this? Uber Reserve. So you can now reserve a driver you like and... They've also changed the booking and tweaked it out a bit. So you can you can favorite drivers. Okay, now this this is this is live right now as of this week in select cities. Okay, but you can favorite uh, drivers that you like, 
you know, maybe just local. You take one to the airport, this, that, the other, and you favor three, four, one, maybe five of them. Um, and then now you can schedule uh, with Uber Reserve, you can schedule a ride anywhere from two hours out to 30 days out. Okay. And once you initiate that you want to use Uber Reserve, uh, now you can choose once you, you're using Uber Reserve, let's say you want it in 10 days. Okay. You're going to get a price. And you're going to lock it in. So if it's surging, whatever, all that, it's not going to matter. You're going to lock in your price 10 days in advance. Meaning, like, if you're smart, you're going to always lock in your price. You know, like, if, if you're going to the airport, you're going to try and do Uber Reserve at a time, you know, you know I mean, I'm not really sure how it will work. But I would think you'd want to do it. Um and just shop your price a little bit, you know, try it, try it again until you get the price you want. If you're going to the airport, let's say. So you'd use Uber Reserve. You say it's in 10 days. I need to go to the airport. Now you'll have the option to go to your list of favorite drivers and push which one of those you'd like to have. Then the driver will be able to accept it or not. Um, I'm not sure if... If it's a, if, if you can set it as like, if they don't, then you go to an auto or if like, then you can pick another favorite and it comes back as a rejected offer. Um, or if you don't have favorite drivers, obviously you're just reserving an Uber at a locked price. Now here's the, here's the kickers, the things that we really do need to know. Um, so the two perks for the rider side are you get a 15-minute grace period on the rider side, meaning if you are running 10 minutes late, 11, 13, 14 minutes late, your driver has to wait outside for you, and he's already being paid a locked price from your house to the airport, okay? So, but you will be allowed uh, a 15-minute grace period while your driver is there. You also will receive from Uber $50, um, and it did not, and everything I looked at did not say credit. You will receive $50 from Uber if your driver is even one minute late. So if you schedule a ride for the airport at 10 a.m. and your driver shows up at 10.01, you are going to get a $50 check for your, uh, from Uber and you're going to get that ride to the airport for free from Uber. Um, so I started looking into how this affects drivers. What I found is, other than the 15-minute grace period or the $50 uh, late fee that Uber's dishing out, I thought that had to hurt the driver, but it doesn't. Um, so for the drivers, I couldn't find any retro side, or I couldn't find any negative side to that happening for the riders. But for the drivers, if an Uber reserve cancels within one hour of the pickup that they've scheduled, you get the full fare and you don't have to go pick them up. So if 59 minutes um, from their pickup time that they scheduled 10 days out or 
five hours out, whatever, but if 59 minutes away from their pickup time they, or their reserve time, they cancel the ride. You, the driver, will get the full fare, and you don't have and you don't do the ride. Um, I'm, I keep looking for the flip sides of these because you know we're all used and very used to Uber PR stunts, but I'm not seeing it yet. But I'll keep looking. Currently, Cruise has five autonomous vehicles in the Phoenix area. Um, I'm not really sure what they do at, at this time. I don't think that they do rides. Maybe, maybe it's like Waymo does. You know, they do rides for um, people who are investors or um, have signed uh, non-competes and disclosures and all this kind of stuff. So that it's a very selected crowd. I don't know, but there's only five vehicles in the Phoenix area now. In January, that fleet will go from five to uh, 25, and they will all be moved to Scottsdale, which if you're not from Phoenix or you're not familiar, is basically Phoenix. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like Denver in Phoenix. There's a lot of different areas of Phoenix, so um, Scottsdale is one of them. And all of these, all of the fleet will move to Scottsdale and they will they will be all autonomous electric vehicles. Crews will be teaming up with Walmart in Scottsdale to deliver food and Walmart items only. So this only underscores a truth about the technology. It's still risky to put passengers in robot vehicles. It is much less risky to put groceries <laughs> and Walmart purchases and stuff. Um, but let's talk about that. Much less risky. You know, it's still, I mean, it's still an autonomous vehicle out there. I know it's delivering, but um, it's not just having the people in the car. It's the people on the streets, too. I don't know how much more Phoenix wants. I mean, it seems like Autonomous lives in Phoenix, and they must subsidize you know, they must give Phoenix tons of money to be doing this because um, it seems like they put a lot of people in danger. I know that I have talked to some people that have told me that the reason that a lot of autonomous goes on in Phoenix is because it is a big town, but it's it's kind of spread the way it is. But it's also always a climate that the that the autonomous cars can operate in. Like me in Denver, we know that they can't even try it here because... Like I've said before, I mean, like I could go down a list of issues with autonomous and, and its reality, but um, like snow, it, the lidar can't operate in snow. Let's just use that. Um, lucky for us, uh, in, in about I'm not really sure exactly, and I don't have my calendar here, but in in, in a few weeks, it might be December, it might be start of January. Um, we will be having a former Waymo. Uh, autonomous engineer on the podcast. Um, and he is out. He will be out of his non-disclosure when we have him on here. And I cleared it with him today that I said that on the podcast today, because uh, you know me and I, I love dissecting autonomous and we are finally going to have a great podcast with this guy um, dissecting the truth of autonomy. And there's some things that I learned 
And then there were some things confirmed to me, but there are some things that I learned too about autonomous and its real timeline, but it is still way farther out than everybody thinks. So, uh, we'll just pause there on that one. Um, but we will be coming back to it for sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw on, Uber, on uberliftdrivers.com last week on any of the social medias that we post on, um, that we posted an article, um, that Uber eats, is now in three Texas cities, Austin, Houston, and Dallas, uh, doing prescription delivery. Um, I spoke with a bunch of different people about this. Um, I spoke with some people in the Bay Area who were part of the first attempt at this, uh, or a couple people. Um, and then I spoke with um, some other people more on the aspect of legal and insurance on this, because to deliver meds, we're in a gray area. And a lot of different Amazon, other things, they're looking at getting into this as well. But we're in a very gray area if the driver is bonded. Um, so right now in Austin, Houston, and Dallas, it's live. You can use Uber Eats to go to get your prescriptions and bring them to you. Random driver. However, I spoke with some people who said that Uber may have jumped the gun on this and there is an issue with being bonded and doing this kind of work. So, um, you know, we've seen this before and then Uber does it under the radar and then they shut it down. And it's, I, I, I don't know if it's a, it's for the PR stunt, but then B, they just try it for a couple weeks till they get kind of scolded by the state and then they stop just to get a feel of how it's going, even though they know it's really not fully legal and as Bryant from Legal Rideshare said on the podcast last week, um, everything's in the terms of service with Uber when you drive for them that you agree to. However, it's very strangely worded, and it's very hard to find, and most of us aren't reading a 150-page legal document. We're clicking I agreed to get on the platform, and that includes with updates. So stay safe, people. Um, I'm going to be on this and contact some insurance uh, people that – that handle um, uh, coverage for rideshare drivers and see what they tell me about how prescription delivery could be an issue. I, I, I just want to know. So we'll see. And even, even in our times right now, it looks like um, we are about to see, well, DoorDash has filed its IPO with the SEC. So, they are going public. Um, the date of when they will go public, no idea on that yet. Um, we will have to see on that. However, um, so far in 2020, and this is January through end of September, okay? So it's not taking into account October, November, because that's going to be in the last quarter. So the first three quarters of 2020, DoorDash had taken in $1.9 billion dollars in revenue. Okay. That's from January to September and all said and done that leaves them in a $149 million net loss. Um, so on a note, uh, January to September, 2019, DoorDash lost way more than the $149 million net loss that they're 
that they're having right now. But DoorDash only does food delivery, and we're in a pandemic. So they, I mean, you know, not everybody, but some businesses and uh, app-based food delivery especially is kind of thriving this year. So, I mean, it's not like the pandemic has killed them. In fact, they're, they seem to be doing very well. Um, and just for some context here too, um, cause I was kind of surprised when I saw these numbers, September through or January through September of this year, 2020 DoorDash had 49% of on-demand delivery space for food. Uber had 22% and Grubhub had 20%. Um, I was kind of surprised at that cause I, Uber now has, uh, Postmates, Grubhub had 20, Uber had 22 with that merger, DoorDash had 49. I mean, they've got half of it with all the other ones out there. So, I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, here in Denver, and this is something I always say on the podcast, it is a market-to-market thing with everything we talk about. However, um, it seems like uh, I'm shocked anyway that nationwide – DoorDash is hands down the leader. I mean, it's. I thought it was a much closer race and that I wasn't even sure who it would be. But for the first three quarters, DoorDash has it locked, locked, and, and they've more than doubled the other two. Okay, so they I mean, Uber, if, if Uber was doubled, it'd be 44%. They'd still be 5% more than double Uber's take of the revenue right now in the, food, in the app-based food delivery space. I don't know. I found that interesting. And now we also have Lyft entering app-based food delivery space. But I want to put a question mark at the end of that because lots of articles out there, but here's, here's what we know. So Lyft, once again, last quarter, had a 48% drop in quarterly revenue. The day they announced that they were going to get into the app-based food delivery space, they had a 6% rise in their stock in after-hours trading. That's really high for after-hours trading, number one. And number two, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, when I, when I heard about it, and then, I, and then the after-hours trading, that's a really high number. And I was like, is this, is this kind of PR bouncing? What's going on? Is this trying to inflate the stock? So... They are kind of committed to doing it. I did start seeing some things pop up today that grabbed my eye that potentially they are going to run into some problems um, getting into that. But I don't want to hit into this story yet because um, it is a money issue, and I'm not sure if they have something else locked up or potential partnerships. The wording on everything I've seen and what I've been told is is strange. It's uh you know never says we're partnering with, but it's alluded to a partnership. So that that would obviously play a huge factor in the fact of what the outcome is. So, um, let's see. Okay, this I found this super interesting, and I think that everybody should pay good attention here. So, <laughs> open your ears, people. Open your ears. Um, gig companies like Postmates, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Grubhub have teamed up with Stride. Um, if you don't know who Stride is, uh, I've been using Stride my whole rideshare career to track my miles, my expenses, 
um, all that stuff. And then I even have a, a an Excel sheet that I enter everything into uh, just as my, like, backup, you know, because I'd rather have the Excel sheet than just have to uh, have my Stride app if I ever needed to produce evidence of things. So, but um, nonetheless, that's how I know of Stride. But here, I, I know that Stride has has kind of entered portable benefits program area, which really not many companies have done. Um, but here's this app that was kind of designed for gig workers to track their miles, even track your route if you want um, while you're driving. So you can go back on your day and look not only at the miles and stuff, but where you were driving, you know, where you were hitting congestion, things like that. Things have been helpful to me sometimes. Um, I don't all the time run it while I'm working, but uh, I would always enter in a day after if I wasn't just because I feel like it was taking up too much um, of the of the memory of my, of my phone to run stride to, and it might've been making me miss pings or not get a ping or whatever. It was just another app running the less apps, the better. Um, obviously when you're doing ride share or gig work, but, um, let's see. So they've, so they've teamed up with stride. Now the companies that I mentioned, Postmates, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Grubhub have also teamed up with GAC get America covered to help millions um, of gig, gig workers get covered under the uh, United States Affordable Care Act, the ACA. Uh, the companies the companies in stride do this because of the 27 million Americans who have lost their health coverage and jobs in many cases due to the coronavirus pandemic. So, okay, it's a good thing. Um, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be the best one to test this, but I'm gonna keep going here because I was really I'm really kind of shocked at the low numbers. So, the enrollment period for uh, the Stride um, uh, ACA merger that they're trying to get all those gig workers on is the same as the uh, ACA enrollment every year, which is November 1st to December 15th. That's when you can switch your health plan on ACA. And also, folks, the American, uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act, ACA, is also what is known as Obamacare, if you didn't know. And um, so... Okay, so they so according to Stride, this is where I, th I think it's weird. Some of the ACA plans start at seventy five dollars a month or less for medical coverage. Okay, now I want to be very, very, very clear here. I can't really check for that because if I go to Stride and I say, you know, okay, and I go to the link that they give you that's going to bring you to the ACA. Um, for your state that's going to show you the plans. Um, I've done this every year just to see, but um, I'm in my upper 40s. Um, I've had some uh, surgeries, bangs and booms, and, you know, uh, 
extremist adventure style type wounds, dislocated shoulders, <laughs> uh, and some other surgeries and stuff. So, um, anyway, I've got, I have pre-existing conditions. Uh, I'm, I'm in shape. I still do lots of stuff, which probably, you know, hopefully my insurance companies don't know about, <laughs> but at the same time, um, I wouldn't qualify for this $75 a month or less with many of the ACA plans. Again, I still question it because even when I brought it up, the initial ones don't really come under a hundred, you know, and that's before I start tinkering with them at all. That's just clicking the page, seeing which ones exist in my state. You know, is it, is it Cigna? Is it uh, Kaiser? Is it uh, blue cross Anthem? One of those like, they all come up in in descending order, starting from lowest amount per month to highest. But I need other coverages that none of the first list have that starts at usually about 100, 110 on the landing page and goes up from there to about 250 on ACA. But then it's like, uh, you know, adding perks to, uh, you know, like, but when you buy a car, you know, like, okay, do you want it standard? No, I want it. Now I need to add this, 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 this. That's kind of how I feel <laughs> with my medical background is that I have to add a bunch of stuff. So once I start doing that, my insurance per month gets jacked way up. So I'm up in a different tier of money. However, I would love if anybody out there listening uh, is using Stride to get their insurance or has used it in the past and if you have paid under $100 a month, please email me. You can email me at uberliftdrivers at gmail.com. You can go to the website, uberliftdrivers.com. You can uh, go to the website and hit any of our social media or find us on Twitter at uberliftdrivers.com. Facebook, we have Uber Lyft Drivers Denver and Worldwide is our group's name. Um, and any of those, hit it up. And if you've used Stride in the past, especially like in like last year or previous years, and you've had an ACA plan of under a hundred a month, I'd like to know about it because I know like deductibles have changed even the way that they do them now. It's not just like, you know, well, okay, the deductible on this is, it's not like with your car, let's say it's not $500. Um, if you total your car or whatever, usually with, uh, um, healthcare deductibles these days, it's, you have to reach a certain amount that you're paying with most of almost all these plans. And it's, it's not the 500,000, 2000 that it used to be. It can be 5,000, 10,000 that you're going to pay out of pocket first. Um, and that's usually obviously the higher number, you know, like 10,000 type thing would be probably what I would think a under hundred dollar policy would get you. Um, so like basically if you needed to go see the doctor, all this, that, and the other, you might get a little bit of help here and there. Um, it depends on the plan, but at the entry level plans, I would think that you'll be paying for everything medical out of pocket up to about five to 10 grand, depending on the plan and your age and what you've qualify for. And then after that, you'll be covered. However, you're basically at that low of an amount per month. I think what you're doing is paying for catastrophic because if you were to go to, if you were to get in a car accident and be in the hospital for 
you know, and it was really bad, knock wood, that that happens to any of us, but it's really bad or anything happened to you really bad that you're in the hospital for two, three weeks, say, you're looking at, you know, a 200 to 400 to plus thousand dollar bill. Now, if all you have to pay of that is $10,000, then it's worth the $75 a month to have that insurance as a catastrophic, but realize that's what it is. But I, I would love it if any anybody who's had stride or is getting it this year or is interested or knows more about it, wants to get in touch with me, please do. Um, I would love to learn more about it and I would love to understand what these plans are because, and maybe I'll just go and look and pretend like I'm 20 years old and, uh, and I don't need any special, any special things at all. And I've never had an accident and, uh, no surgeries, nothing. It's just see what the, what they provide. Cause usually what it is is huge deductibles and you're paying for everything out of pocket. So even at the end of the year, you might go, what a waste that I was paying that $75 a month because I spent seven grand on medical stuff and I paid for it all, plus the 75 month. Remember that you are paying, one thing for sure that you do get with these is once you hit that limit, you are paying, it is catastrophic. So, you know, world comes out from under you, you will only be responsible for whatever your premium deductible end is. So if it's five, 10 grand, that's what you'll be responsible for. And if it's a $450,000 medical bill from the hospital, um, and trust me, guys, you know, I was in the, for an example, um, in two, and this is years ago in 2004, I was in the hospital for five days at Denver general, which is one of the best, uh, um, emergency meds here in Denver. Um, but I was there for five days, uh, having a surgery done. It was an emergency surgery that I needed done. Um, and my total bill was, uh, it was north of $75,000 for the days I was there in the surgery and everything I had to do. But I was working for um, a restaurant investment company at the time. And the manager, uh, the general manager of a, of a bar here in Denver. And because of that, I only had to pay my deductible, which back in 2004 meant I paid $2,000. And the insurance paid seventy three thousand plus. So there's an example of how that works. Things have changed since two thousand four, but let's let's look into this. New York City cabbies. Okay, there is a legislation that would require the city's taxi and limousine commission to establish a universal e-hail app to let riders order from one single app any for hire vehicle including taxis and cars that drive on, on the Uber and Lyft platform. So let's, let's dissect that for just a quick second. So the, ca the taxis in New York City are taking a beating and a half. They have been for a while. None of us should be shocked by this. If you're at all familiar with the news on this, it should not be shocking to you. If you're not um, and you're on any social media, Find a find a taxi driver in New York City who has a medallion and ask him how he's doing. Um, or just kind of look over some, you know, Google it, uh, because you're going to find some really horror, horror stories about how ailing the industry is. 
And would this work? I don't know, because a lot of people in New York City, the part of the taxi industry is just being able to go out on the sidewalk and literally, when when I say hail, I'm not talking (laughs) e-hail. I'm talking hail with your arm, like, hey, you know, right here, taxi. And whatever taxi's near pulls up. You know, not much of the New York taxis are businesses done through apps. I mean, a good amount is, but not a huge percentage. Most of it's just done by hailing. So will this do good? I don't know. But will it help? Maybe. It depends on the rates and and how they make this thing actually look and how much money goes into um, promoting it, you know, to tell people that, hey, this is a comparison shopper of not only Uber and Lyft, if that's what you're using, but now it's also throwing in the taxis too, and it'll tell you how much a cab is. Um, again, I don't know that it's really what I think is a great idea because I think the taxis, you know, again, now we're talking about New York. We're in past weeks. Whenever I talk about taxis, I say it's an ailing industry because it's an ailing industry. It's dated, and that's what happened. That's what Travis initially saw with Uber was that there was a hurting industry that had a lot of room to change and be a different, completely different model. The part I really liked about um, this legislation, though, that they're proposing came from the Taxi Workers Alliance, who wants to help cabbies refinance their medallions by guaranteeing up to $125,000 if a medallion owner defaults on a loan or faces foreclosure. You know, I think that's the kind of thing that we need to look into. I actually would like to take it a step further. What I honestly think should happen, because the... And maybe, you know, I've never been a taxi driver in New York. I've never, I didn't even know, I, I've, I, I've traveled to New York, uh, you know, a handful of times in my life. I've taken cabs, all that kind of thing. Um, I even went as a kid with my parents. However, um, I really didn't know about the medallions until I was a rideshare driver and I started hearing the stories. Those things are so expensive, people, you have no idea. Um unless you're a cabbie there or unless you really have some information on it. But I would like to see something instead of, you know, all these different ways that they try approaching this, you know, let there needs to be a way where New York city in essence buys back the medallion. Okay. So where they would help cabbies out, you know, should be in my opinion, buying out their medallions. Now this is only for New York City folks cuz most cities you know no cities don't have medallions other than there. Um but they would be buying them out in New York City over a certain amount of years. So it wouldn't just be like whatever you paid as a New York City cabbie here we're going to give you that money back for your medallion. You shouldn't have had to pay that much. Here you go, walk away. And you've been doing it for 10 years, made a bunch of money at a time when some other people before even rideshare couldn't afford to buy the medallion. So they couldn't be to cab drivers. So they weren't your competition. There's a lot to this. So I think there has to be an equation as well. And I mean, I would have to sit down for a long time and it would probably take a team of people to really do this truly correctly. However, I, how I see it is basically 
the equation would have to be something along the lines of how long have you had your medallion? How many years basically have you had your medallion? What are your total earnings over the period of years you've had the medallion? And then what were your yearly earnings for the years you had the medallion? And then you would have to factor it by the purchase price of the medallion. So if you bought the medallion 20 years ago and it was X, or if you bought it five years ago because you bought a medallion from somebody else, um, it would have to be that number. It's There would have to be an equation that breaks it down. But what I think is that once they have that number of that would determine what your medallion is still worth. And then they could do something along the lines of over five or 10 years kind of thing. You know, we can pay you one fifth or one tenth over this many years um, of that finalized price that the equation would spit out. Does that sound too simple to people? Probably. Will New York City keep wasting tons and tons and tons of money trying to help out these cabbies who are hurting so bad um, in other ways? Yes. So should they, in my opinion, should they look into just getting them out of these medallions? Yeah. Quit wasting the money on the other things and get them out of the medallions. Let them still be cab drivers. But because of app share, because of app space ride share, let them not have to have the medallions and find a way to buy it back out of them. Even if you have to depreciate it in the equation or whatever, I mean, not too much. Obviously, there'd have to be a lot of oversight on this. But I honestly think that that is the way to uh, really, you know, help these cabbies out. They're, I mean, they're they're hurting. They're dying. You know, they're we're all hurting. But they've been hurting before the pandemic too. This has been for years. So that's my little shout out to the cabbies this this week. Um, and it's only for New York City. Again, like I said, folks. I don't think in other cities you should be driving for cab companies. I, I don't think there's any money left in it anymore. And I know here in Denver, I personally know people who drive for cab companies and they lose, lose, lose because most of them pay for their, for their car, the cab that they have to per week. And the per week charge is so high, so high. I mean, it's ridiculously high that, um, they can't make any money. So if you want to talk about, you know, the rideshare breakdown of expenses and how much rideshare drivers make an hour, and that's why AB5 came about, let's look at cabbies. I mean, outside of, and I won't even use California. Outside of California, in most cities, cabbies lose their all their money out the gate, break even, barely do well at all. So, um, yeah. That's where I'm at with that. But this was my shout-out to New York City cab drivers because I do think that is a different game altogether, and I do think that the city of New York City does owe them some kind of fixing to this huge problem. Let's see. Moving over to Cairo, Egypt now. Okay. I think the uh, I think the birth the homeland of uh, oh no maybe <laughs> I won't say it now because I'll feel stupid if I'm wrong <laughs> uh, but anyway 
Uber in Cairo is partnering with Unilever. Um, Uber says that they've already given out 300 masks or 300,000 masks to its drivers since the pandemic began. But now they're partnering with Uber Uber and Unilever to provide hygiene kits and in-car separators. Okay, now I had to dig into this because we had, what was it, episode 16? We had uh, uh, Tony Fumano uh, with AirPod.World. What up, Tony? Um, who, in my in my opinion, I've still I've looked at all of them. It's still the best one out there. You know, I thought maybe we were coming out of the pandemic a, a bit, but we're not yet. And uh, it's, it seems to be resurfacing all over again and, and spiking again all over. So it's, it's you know, you can still find Tony's product at AirPod.World. You'll get rerouted to uh, Alibaba and you'll see it and you can purchase it securely. Um, he, in my opinion, has the best product on the market for many reasons. Go back to episode 16. I just looked. That is the episode. If you want to hear about the AirPod um, or check it out at AirPod.world or you can find him on Twitter at Tony Fumano. So, um, but now I'm going to move on. So Uber's distributed 300,000 masks so far. Uh, now, face masks and Unilever or Uber will, is, is going to be giving out face masks. Unilever is going to be giving out hand hygiene gel to 30,000 drivers in Egypt. Okay. Um, or maybe that's worldwide. No, I don't know. But this was, I know that this is targeted at Egypt to start. I, it seems like a lot of drivers. I guess not. Probably is just Egypt. Um, but Uber and Unilever will also be providing in-car separators for vehicles that are highly active on the Uber platform. Now, I could not find a picture of what they're going to use, except for I kept looking, kept looking. And what kept popping up were the old ones that, again, from episode 16 of Rideshare Rodeo, when we talked about AirPod, the great, the one that actually works what we were seeing were the sealed up zipper body bag looking things that were just crazy. I mean, it just looked just it just looked horrible. And I mean, not just in looks, I mean it looked creepy. But um I think that is what they are planning on using. So I mean, obviously this isn't coming to the United States because we would never okay people to be zipped up in a bag. Um and driving around passengers. I mean, I don't know. Um it, it's just I don't know. Uh, but there's no mention at all of how many they're going to provide. So my question becomes, is Uber and Unilever giving out like 100 to the top drivers or 300 to out of these 30,000 drivers? And then, then they're going to start selling them there? Is this like a test PR stunt that will also become a, um, a revenue stream for them? That's the only thing I can think of because I just know Uber would not do something as nice as that. <laughs> um, and that's why they're not giving out a number. Okay. I don't want to go too far into this, but I, I, I have to hit this story because I had a couple people reach out to me on social media and I had a couple emails about it too. Was I going to talk about um, the Lyft Portland issue? <laughs> yeah, of course I am. Duh. Um, so Portland City Commissioner Joanne uh, Hardesty 
uh, who oversees Portland's emergency dispatch system, um, has been uh, at the core of defund the police, arguing that the force is, quote unquote, um, inundated with unnecessary calls that don't involve crimes. Now, a few nights back, she had to, she was leaving the casinos and she called a lift and she called, she had to call 911. Her 911 calls show her repeatedly demanding police send out officers only in their case, only in this case, uh, there really was no crime committed. So she's she's at the core of defund the police. She's now be saying that they're unnecessary and that they that they're uh you know, that they're being called out for non crimes. But here she is calling nine one one multiple times for a non crime while in a lift. Um, and it was a sixty three year old lift driver who uh, here. So the nine one one calls. Uh, were we regarding a Lyft driver refusing to put windows up all the way. Okay, sorry, sorry, Joanne, but um, the driver was following Lyft's coronavirus safety guidelines, which say to keep the windows open. Um, there's a lot more to this story. You've all seen it. In the end, Lyft, in the end, the driver did nothing wrong. Uh, they had to send two police out to the driver, had him pull over at a gas station. They had to send another lift to pick up this person. Um, and in the end, Lyft told her drivers are free to end a ride for any reason and warned her, quote unquote, future reports like this would lead to uh, um, to action being taken against her account. So, you know, I mean, that's as it should be, I guess. I mean, crazy. I don't know. I, don't, I really, you know, I hope I hit on it enough for the people that asked me to because I know why you were asking, but at the same time, like, it's, it's just too stupid a story. I mean, I, it really is. I, I don't understand. This really is, is an odd thing to say that, you know, I, I, I we need to defund the police except for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, okay, so let's see. Are we into the fun stuff? Okay, so now, autonomous people. Autonomous. Here we go. Uber is finally, 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 very likely selling its autonomous to Aurora Innovation. Okay? Um, they've pawned off parts to Russian companies, to this, that. They've tried partnerships. This is the whole enchilada, people. They are selling the autonomous division. What's crazy to me is that the valuation, the current valuation on Uber autonomous division is $7.25 billion. So that's the price tag on it. And Aurora Innovation um, is kind of a new startup, but they work with like GM and some other companies. However... They are still interested at this price. Now, the reason it's crazy to me, um, one, because Uber is not even a major player in the auto autonomous space. Like we've talked about on the podcast before. In fact, they're kind of in like 
they're in the last place. I mean, they're, they really offer nothing to the industry. There's so many companies doing this that Uber just isn't a player. They just really don't offer the tech. They, uh, the other players in the game are, are light years ahead of them. Light years. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, and again, stay tuned. I will be announcing as soon as I know the date when we will be having the former Waymo um, autonomous engineer on the podcast because it's going to be not too long. Hopefully next month. If not, it'll be right at the beginning of the year because I know we have to do it before February. And I will explain that once I get the okay and the date confirmed from this person. So, um, but back to this. So I'm glad to see Uber's finally thrown in the towel on autonomous. This should have happened long ago. Obviously this is to lead to, to hopefully lead to more revenue, um, and less wasted money. That's the, the, you know, that's the, that's the major part of it. That's what it's about. They already gave up on micro mobility. And they threw in the towel on e-bikes. Um, you can find Uber micromobility and e-bikes in trash cans near your house or the cities they just donated them to. Um, but they gave up on that. Um, now all we need is for Uber to stop on the VTOL division, the vertical takeoff and landing. Um, again, not players in this game. They are not big enough. They don't have the tech. They are way behind everybody else in this space. And I don't even know if their VTOL department, what it's worth. Again, I'm shocked that somebody at $7.25 billion for their autonomous. I mean, maybe you, I, I, I almost think of it like a, maybe before they went public, that was what they thought it was worth. And then they went public. It should have been way less. And now it should even be way less. But I guess if that's what they say, and if you got to buy or sell it, um, a couple new players to watch for, well, they're not new players. They've been doing this, but a couple new companies that I will tell you are very much upcoming, um, to watch for on, on level three. Okay. Autonomous level three, uh, are Honda and JLR. And that's a Jaguar Land Rover. And of course there's others too. Um, you know, there's Bolt, there's Waymo, there's Alphabet. There's, there's, there's so many around the country, which leads me to the last one. So, uh, motional. I just posted it on uberliftdrivers.com today. Motional, the Aptive, uh, Hyundai, uh, Four billion dollar venture um, aimed at commercial autonomous vehicles is preparing to roll out fully driverless vehicles uh, after getting approval from the state of Nevada. Okay, and this is going to be in Las Vegas, fully autonomous. Uh, driverless vehicles on public roads in Las Vegas after they got the okay from the state of Nevada. The company announced today the state has given permission to test autonomous vehicles without a human safety driver. Crazy, right? Um, we already know that um, Las Vegas has like the most pedestrians hit per capita in the country. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I'm sorry. We all probably know people who have been hit or whatever. Um, I'm just laughing because, um, I, I'm thinking about this autonomous that all the issues that go with autonomous and the pedestrian issue alone. And then the fact that already Vegas has people jumping out in roads. And I know they've created the crossovers at most of the major intersections in the new part of the strip. However, um, it still has a high, there's just a lot of people who are hit by cars there. So, um, they've gotten the permission from the state of Nevada. They've gotten the okay without a human safety driver, but don't worry, Las Vegas, they will not be on the road yet. Based on the current timeline that they are using, it appears, uh, to be March, April, 2021, that we will start to see these dr- these autonomous driverless vehicles on Las Vegas streets, okay? And we all know when we use future dates like that, what it means. What does it mean? PR stunts. Okay, y'all. Um, had a little bit of technical issues today, so sorry the podcast dropped a little late. Uh, I'm just glad that I got it all fixed. I was at, if if you want to know and you're ever going to do a podcast, never do changes on the day you record your podcast with equipment. <laughs> Always do it on a different day. Test it, run it, check it all different ways. But uh, yeah, so I, in a nutshell, changed over to some stuff and then it was failing. So I had to go back to the other stuff. And now I'm kind of hybrid between the two. And before next week, I will get the, all the bugs worked out. Uh, so, uh, but right now I'm kind of using, you know, between the old model and parts of the new. So we'll see. But there are some little changes coming on the technical side that I'm looking forward to. So uh, I'll let you know. But anyway, um, I know that we're all getting uh, locked down, stay-at-home orders again, home arrests, whatever you call them. I call them home arrests. Uh, I know that we're all having the holidays come up and it's just tough times. You know, it's, you know, we're getting, you know, from all angles, all everywhere. We're getting this, you know, don't see family. Don't do this. Stay in your household. It's going to be a tough few months, um, with all the spikes and everything. And, uh, again, regardless of where you sit on masks, remember that wearing a mask by wearing a mask, you're helping others. So, you know, just do it. Let's let's get past this. And I, the non-mask wearers and people who do wear masks, I know that all of all of us can agree that we want this to be over. We're burnt out. We're tired. We're sick of being home. Um, and then even going out is just, it's such a, it's such a thing, you know, it's not just like it, it always has been. You can't just get, you know, Oh, I got to run and do that. It just, it's, it's an event. Okay. I'm going to do this. I need to do a mask. Um, you know, what else do I need since I'm going out in public? Uh, just, it, it's, it's just crazy times. And we all know this, you don't need me saying it, but just wear a mask. Let's get through this. Otherwise we're going to be in for this for another whole year. And at some point, you know, we're going to have very, 
a very bigger size civil unrest if we don't get this under control. So no matter how you feel about it, just wear the mask. Wear the mask so that none of us have to wear masks and we can get past this and see our families and see our friends and start to get back to reality a little bit. That said, have a great week. Be good to each other. Be good to others. Do something great for others, for yourself. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you back here next week on the rodeo. Peace!